How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am not joined by Harrison Fagan tonight, or, well, you're going to be listening to this today. I am instead joined by Pete Zayas at Laker Film Room. Pete, how are you holding up? Are, are, are we ready to, should we start sizing ourselves up for championship ranks? Yeah, and it, the 2019 championship ring is ours, for sure. Oh, you're, you're, oh, you're waiting until 2019. I guess I'll, I, I should maybe, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll talk to the Jew. <laughs> So, uh, as always, you can find our show on Audioboom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Uh, make sure you're using the promo code LOLAKERS on SeatGeek to get your $20 rebate on the first purchase on the application. Let's go ahead and get into the show. So, when we, when, when you know, Pete and I, or, or any guest, or whoever else I'm talking to on the phone, there's always a few minutes beforehand where we kind of say, all right, what do you want to talk about? What's this, that, and the other? Pete, you were chomping at the bit to, to 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 talk about this offense, the Lakers' offense so far. You have a couple numbers and a couple observations that that make people think, even with being as as optimistic as we might already be, that that might not necessarily be going far enough. Yeah, you know they're they're still leaving a lot of points on the floor. You know, I, I just tweeted out that they um, they scored 120 plus points in two of the first five games and that didn't ha- in regulation and that didn't happen once under Byron Scott. Um, they're currently 12th in offensive rating despite playing playoff caliber teams almost exclusively on the road and they're near the bottom of the league in terms of making and converting on uncontested shots meaning that uh, you know there are a lot of good open looks that are available that they're not knocking down that do, do not require uh, additional shot creation or anything like that. It's just a matter of shooters, of which the Lakers have some good ones, being able to to knock it down, knock down an open shot. Those things normalize over the course of time. Uh, so, you know, it's just amazing. This is what the 29th ranked team, I think, in offensive rating last year, and with a lot of the same guys, just a year older. You know, they're in the top half of the league. Right, and and. I had Darius on, I think this time last week, I had Darius Soriano of Foreign Blue and Gold on last week, and he, he stressed and he wanted to, to make sure everybody understands the difference between process and results. And, you know, when you look at just overall scoring, even with the advanced analytics, even with the, the pace-driven stats and not going just off of points per game, you can still fall victim to thinking that, you know, 
the points are the only way to look at a quality offense, right? Yeah. And and in terms of the process, that's when you're looking at the the quality of shots. And you know, Harrison and I, the last couple of shows, have said how madding, maddening it is because the best and smartest analysis tends to be, hey, if you make shots, you 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 wind up being a pretty good team. You look you're you're looked at differently. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of getting those shots as often as you possibly can. And you're saying that the, the Lakers are getting the kind of shots that they want to get long-term already with basic sets, right? That was the other thing. Yeah, that's that's the thing is they're not even very good at their half-court stuff yet. They're, um, I chart the offense for every game, and I'll be sending out uh, kind of some combined numbers over the first five games in the next day or two. And really, there's a he- really heavy dose of early offense action where it's just – quick hitters it's not particularly complicated and then they uh they get into you know when they get into their half court offense there's still some kind of confusion and uh there's one play from last night's game that really stood out where they threw the ball uh into randall in the post and then d'angelo russell went to make a split cut on zubats and then slipped it and got a layup randall hit him in stride for a layup and that play right there is the future of the laker offense mm-hmm. that's representative of that you know if you watch Watch the Warriors. They're so, you know, everybody thinks of the great shooters that they have. And of course, that's, you know, that's perfectly valid. But they get a lot of looks at the rim due to back cuts and and slip screens and things like that. And the Lakers haven't really incorporated that yet, uh, but they will soon. Um, One thing I looked up tonight is uh, D'Angelo Russell is getting 6.8 either open or wide open field goal attempts per game so far, but he's only converting on 35% of them. So, you know, my, my concern level with D'Angelo Russell being able to knock down open shots in a long-term sense is very low. So if he can continue to get those at volume, those shots are going to fall very soon and you're going to be taking what's already a good offense and making it even better. Right, that's that's the thing is, and did you just for just for reference uh, the number of open shots that Russell is taking? Wh- where does that rank? Where you know, are there any other players that are around? Was this a list that you were looking at, or was it just like a total that you found? You know, it it's uh it's on NBA.com. You can find it on their shots dashboard. Mm-hmm. But I did uh, kind of compile a list of of other guys who were in that uh, in that range, and he was uh, up. Amongst the young guards in the league, he was number one ahead of Moutier, ahead of uh, Devin Booker, Chris Dunn, uh, you know, any guard that you can think of. And he was kind of in the range of Mike Conley, Steph Curry. He was ahead of uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Uh, That getting just about seven, uh, you know, seven open shots per game is is a really high number for especially for a guy his age well it's also it, it's it speaks both to his ability to get himself open but then also the kind of guys that he plays with right i mean you have you have and we're going to talk about lou here in a second but you have more than one playmaker on the court almost at all times mm-hmm. uh and and that allows russell to work off ball it allows him to focus more on working off of off ball screens or if he has, you know, if he has the ball in a pick and roll kind of situation, defenders have to stay at home because even if, say, Jordan Clarkson, who's kind of struggled with this three-point shot, uh, even if the defender thinks to himself, okay, I don't necessarily have to rush at Clarkson because he isn't shooting the ball very well, if they don't close out hard enough on Clarkson, he now has space to make a play for somebody else, 
And and yeah, it just overall the the offense and the style of basketball. I tweeted this out after one of the games. Uh, I think it was two games ago, but we haven't watched a single game that has not been more exciting and and a lot more exciting than the kind of games that we watched over the last couple of years with the exception of Kobe's last, you know, 60 point game. That was just insane. But the you know it's kind of funny with with the national guys i one tweet sticks out to me in particular when uh at hardwood paroxysm uh matt moore tweeted out these lakers man and it's a it's almost like a whole bunch of guys are thinking to themselves geez what could these guys actually be capable of yeah yeah man no it's it's really exciting there you know one there have been a couple of times where they reminded me of when Oklahoma City, when they had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, I, not necessarily trying to draw a parallel to the individual talents there, but when they would get it going, it was almost like the court was tilted downhill one way, and they would just be trucking up down, up and down court, and they looked so much faster than everybody else. And, and there were a couple times last night, I think the Lakers had 25, 26 uh, fast break points where it looked like that. You know, you have five guys out filling lanes and trailing and the other team just doesn't look like they're able to keep up. And we're just beginning to see glimpses of that. And yeah, you know, it, it's, <laughs> we're in for a fun couple of years. So I, we were going to talk about Lou. We'll actually alter the order of this because we're talking already, you know, even by extension about the ceiling we're five games in, right? We're, we're now the, the second week of the season is, is, you know, the end is in sight or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you don't want to get too carried away with, with a five game sample size. And we have, you know, 40 more of these segments of, of, you know, five game samples. Mm -hmm. But I guess the way I, the way I, I phrased the question to you earlier was at what point do we start rethinking, you know, what this team ceiling might be? At what point, what do we have to start seeing to say, man, you know, maybe maybe the, the number of games that they could win, you know, maybe we way undershot it or undershot it to any extent. You know, I, I think that the most difficult part for the this team is going to be sustaining an energy level. I think that there were a lot of young guys who were very determined either, uh, you know, like in Russell or Randall's case to prove that they were legitimate NBA future stars Um and uh, young guys who were drafted in, everyone's excited about Walton coming in. They had the breakfast club where everyone was meeting up and working out early in the morning. Uh, I, I'm I, I'm not surprised to see them come out kind of gangbusters. And what they lack in execution at this point, they're making up for in energy and, and effort level. Um, I, I think that the challenge is going to be is are they – able to sustain this, you know, 25 games from now or, you know, 30 games into the season, are they still playing with this sort of passion and energy? And can they keep that up? Because the execution is going to improve, but will a malaise set in, uh, in in the meantime? That being said, the first five, you know, when the, when the schedule came out, I kind of groaned because yeah. I saw for the first six games and I was like, man, I, I don't want these guys to get demoralized, you know, and I, I was hoping for two and four um, through and that was my you know kind of best case scenario through those six and uh, they've got that at least and hopefully you know tonight was a trap game for Golden State maybe you can catch them but but you know maybe not either way um, but what was significant about these first five 
is that they were competitive in every game. They were at worst down four points with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, in every one of them, they got down early with dumb mistakes. They corrected them. And then uh, one, one stat I find interesting is they're plus 18.7 per 100 possessions in the third quarter. So they're coming out and really taking it to playoff caliber teams in their gym coming out of halftime. And that's a testament to the coaching staff. So in terms of, you know, what, you know, when do we start looking at this team differently? I've, I've already started looking at the team differently uh, to a certain extent. But my big question mark is the sustainability of this. So I guess I, I'll, I won't quite retort because I do agree that, you know, the, the, the passion that they're playing with, I don't know, is fully sustainable. But one thing that helps in that department is how much Luke is spreading the minutes out, right? Where it might be frustrating for fantasy owners to say, like, man, it'd be nice, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be nice if Russell got a, a few more minutes than only 30 minutes per game or whatever. But uh, the fact that, you know, every game goes by and you only have one or two guys at 30 plus minutes that that kind of helps with with the physical aspect of it but what you you used a word that i thought was perfect was the malaise the the boredom that can kind of set in of playing night after night after night after night in in the nba mm -hmm. uh with a young team that you know that's where you'll you'll get a, a random dumb loss that you know, a, a team that's hoping to get as many wins as they possibly can get, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to, to meet any kind of now increased expectations, they can't afford to get that. Um, right. The other thing, too, you, you mentioned the, the third quarter and and the expectation or the, um, the, the production that's coming there in the third quarter. I don't know if there's a better statement about the team's, you know, the difference in coaching than that stat. Like yeah. that's, that's, you know, for me, and, and I, and we said this last time you were on the show for me, it's start of the game and third quarter, because that's right after you've had an extended mm -hmm. conversation with your coach. Now yep. their starts of the game haven't been that great. Luke hasn't been thrilled with the starts of that, those, some of these games, mm -hmm. but yeah, that, that third quarter stat, and it's noticeable, you know, where defensively you see people flying around the court a little bit more. And offensively, it's like they refocus on, oh, yeah, that's right. We have to focus on, you know, scoring out of these options and, and attacking this part of the defense. Right. I, I do think because of the combination of respect for their new coach, right, and, and the excitement that they, they, they seem to have playing for 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 Luke Walton compared to the last guy. Uh, the the combination of that, their minutes allotment, and then just the fact that, you know, that they're going to continue to see uh, the the subconscious, re, you know, reward of, of playing basketball the right way. I think all those kinds of things are going to combine to, with most teams, I would say I'd be a little bit worried, but with this team, I could actually see them put together, you know, the kind of streak that I didn't think they were capable of. Like I had one person in my mentions the other day saying, you know, just wait till they have a five game winning streak, you know, just wait, just wait, just wait. And, and I, I kind of laughed at the time. I said, yeah, well, let's get to two first right. and then we'll, then we'll deal with five or whatever the number might be after that. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I kind of threw it away, but in the back of my mind now, I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? I could see them putting a string together like that. And their next, the, the, the schedule that they have in front of them right now 
will be you know pretty telling because we have so the, the Lakers have quite a few winnable games uh, yeah. that at the end of this if they're above 500 10 12 14 games into the season you're starting to say to yourself wow what guy what might these what might these guys have up their sleeves pretty much like how fun is it to think to ourselves that wow we we might be able to or the Lakers might be able to exceed expectations because that has over the last couple of years it's been I'm going to put the expectations in the basement and then there's even a chance still that they might not meet that this is a completely different vibe right and and to kind of jump on on that point I think the atmosphere at Staples this year is going to be nuts you know I, I from what we've seen in, in that heart and that energy level, they're sustaining it on their own. You know, the ATL Laker fans always represent. So that's a, you know, mini home game down south for sure. But but when they get back home to Staples and they're playing against a, a, a Brooklyn or a Dallas or, um, you know, even kind of some of those middle of the road teams, I think that a young team like this will really feed on that energy. And, uh you know, going back to what I was saying about tilting the court one way, I, I can see a lot of fourteen to two runs uh, in Staples mm-hmm. just because of the na- the nature of these guys' personality, their games, and I think, sta- like you said about the expectations from the last couple of years, I think that there's a fan base in LA that's ready to love these guys and and really Absolutely. ready to explode. And you know, it's been a fun five games and. The only one of those at home was Houston, and that atmosphere was was crazy. That was and they great. won, yeah, and they won. Mm-hmm. And I, I expect more of the same as as we see more more home games. Right. The the so they have when everybody's listening to this, it'll be Friday. So they play Golden State tonight, and then you know they have Phoenix, which is which seems winnable. Dallas, they they're one of those middling teams you you mentioned. Sacramento seems winnable. New Orleans is a disaster. Minnesota hasn't played up to the expectations that they might have had coming into the season. Brooklyn, if they don't have uh, Jeremy Lin, that's that's trouble. So those are those that streak of what is it six games right there. The Lakers, I could see going, you know, four and two, five mm-hmm. and one, you know, and and that's something. Hoping for a four and two, five and one stretch was something that. Nobody in their in their wildest dreams would have thought uh, over the last couple of years, and even heading into this year, that's not something. That sentence is not something that I, I really anticipated uh, <laughs> saying on the show, let alone you know, or, or privately, let alone on the show. Right. I mean, what what happens when D'Angelo and Clarkson start knocking down some threes? You <laughs> right. Know? Right, <laughs> you know, like if they when when yeah. they're allowed to, or when they when they feel comfortable with counters, or when yeah. defensively yeah. even, because there 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 are principles on defense that I don't think they've gotten a full grasp of. There, it, yeah, to go back to the the Matt Moore tweet when he was saying, you know, these Lakers, man, that's that's somebody who has their wheels turning about uh, about this young team. And, and again, I don't want to, we, you know, we're five games in, so you don't want to get carried away and I'm not going to even talk about playoffs. That's not it at all. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that, you know, there are milestones that the Lakers can hit along the way that would make us, you know, the fans say, wow, that, yeah, this, this, this team might be ahead of schedule. Yeah. 
So let's go ahead and, and, and talk about Lou Williams, though. And, and Lou's play so far has been intriguing. We knew he could score, right? We, we know what he offers there. It's just kind of like with Nick Young. We know Nick Young is capable of scoring, but it's Nick Young's defense that sticks out. For me, it's mm-hmm. Lou Williams' playmaking I have I had a theory that I I I un, unveiled last night in you know after the Atlanta game and it's pretty much just that the sets that Lou Williams is involved with that that require his playmaking are such that they they keep the game as simple as possible so that you know the passes that he's actually going to make that lead to scores are the kind of pass that you can't you know you, you can't miss uh does does that make sense would you roll with that theory yeah, no, for sure. I, I think that um, the the way I might articulate that is that the passes that are available to him are the same are, are within the same action that he'd be making when he's attacking, mm-hmm. meaning that he's a natural scorer. Right. We all know that. Absolutely. And so in the process of of attacking in that manner, Lucas provided him passing options as outlets for when that shot might not be available or might not be the best shot. Um, I've noticed a really great uh, synergy between him and Nance in the pick and roll, and they made did some great work down the stretch of the Atlanta game. Um, it, it's something where the floor is spaced properly, and it's not particularly complicated reads uh, that he's being asked to make, and it's in the context of what he does naturally. So uh, I, I think you know one of the – one of my concerns with the starting lineup and in, in putting Nick Young there is that there isn't really a secondary ball handler amongst that group. And Randall Randall does that obviously from a forward position to an extent, but I think we even saw last night, you know, having a having a, a release valve for a guy like D'Angelo to be able to give the ball to somebody else and have them create off of the dribble. I think it's it turns into a two pronged attack that is really, really difficult to defend. And um, Williams' ability to uh, properly read the defense and within his attack, it's, it's what's distinguishing him from Clarkson right now. One thing from watching a lot of tape is that Clarkson is really over-penetrating and kind of getting amongst the trees and getting himself in trouble, whereas Lou Williams is seeing the defense collapse and making the pocket pass to the roll man or the kick out to the corner three. Um, and, and he's done a masterful job of that. I, I'd like to say, or I, I'd put it this way with, with Lou versus Clarkson in that I think for Lou, he's been in the game a little longer, obviously than, than Clarkson has. And Clarkson's time in the league has been kind of up and down, right? Where I, I think he's still trying to find what his best role might be. Whereas Lou, I think he knows what he's best at. It's just a matter of kind of adding to it as he goes along. Mm-hmm. And when I watch Lou play, I see somebody who is comfortable letting the game take place in front of him. So he plays a lot slower. He, you know, Whereas with Clarkson, it's pretty much, I'm going to beat my defender to this spot, and I don't care how fast I have to dribble to get there. And I think that's where somebody, yeah, will, will, will you know, his head will get out in front of his feet He'll lose some balance there, which forces him to take a dribble now to collect himself. And that extra dribble is where you're talking about the, the over-penetration. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, that I just thought about while you were talking about with, uh, with Lou Williams creating is how key the spacing is for, for these sets. You know, it's, it's 
When everybody is confined in a small area, it looks like they're moving a lot faster than they actually are. Whereas when everybody's kind of spread out, you start to see angles on the court that you would not have and, and the game can come to you a little bit more slowly. So all these things kind of combine to, to you know, put Lou in a situation where he, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and eat some crow. I, I thought he was going to fall out of the rotation uh, because Calderon and Huertas might be better playmakers. But if Lou can continue this, that even then, because he's more talented than Huertas and Calderon, Mm-hmm. The, he, you know, he bumps up the ceiling, the Lakers ceiling, even, you know, just a little bit more. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's been an, a lot of fun. Uh, you're about to do the Atlanta breakdown. You're about to look at the Atlanta breakdown. Is there anything in particular that you're, that you're looking for out of last night's game? You know, I, I'm looking more so on the defensive end. Obviously, I've been pretty effusive about the offensive progress. Um, the defensive rebounding has been a problematic area for the Lakers over the first few games. And one thing that I noticed is uh, guards and perimeter players were crashing down uh, a lot more. That's a place that um, I think, you know, D'Angelo Russell is probably the guy that uh, I, I think he's capable of getting five rebounds a game if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh and he's at about three right now. Um, so he was somebody that was more engaged in that respect. I, it also, you know, with Mozgov out and Zubat had a, you know, some, some nice run and had some uh, lessons learned for sure mm-hmm. in last night's game. But uh, they've gone to, even with Mozgov being healthy, they've gone to kind of Nance Randall, you know, at the four and five. And in if you're going to to, to – play that small ball type of five, which I'm a huge advocate of. Um, it's really imperative that the smaller players go in and crash the boards on that. So that was something that, uh, I, you know, I was looking at the, the dang Nance combo at the four and five. Um, they had some difficulty rebounding, but it was also one of the more explosive defensive lineups. And that lineup really got in transition out in transition and made some things happen. So I think that's the next area for improvement. Uh, in this team is on the defensive end and, and kind of uh, uh, implementing some some not better rotations, but but being able to uh, apply what they already know in a more effective way that is not they, they've been overhelping. That's my long winded way of mm-hmm. of saying that is they've been overhelping, which is great because they weren't helping at all last year. And you can't um, work on the weak side before you work on the strong side, as I've said before. So um, I, I think that's the next step. And so that's what I've been noticing in the Atlanta game is an improvement in defensive rebounding. And, uh, you know, Tim Hardaway got hot, but uh, all in all, it wasn't a, a terrible defensive game for the most part. Yeah, I don't find myself – what was maddening over the last couple of years was you would see them make the same dumb mistakes over and over and over and over again. You know, it was it yeah. was – Helping, helping, you know, one pass away from a corner shooter. It was pinching down to a post player who you don't need to pinch down to. It was, it was these kinds of things that you're rubbing your head and you're like, at some point, some kind of coach has to step in and say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and, and you, we've, we talked about the third quarters already. 
you're seeing those mistakes cut down in the third quarter. Now, it'd be nice if they didn't make those same mistakes in the first quarter, but that would make them a championship team. Right. That, that's not how it works <laughs> at this point, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but it's nice that as the game goes along, after they make that mistake, they kind of, you know, somebody talks to them on the sideline or a teammate, a veteran will come over and say, hey, we don't do that anymore. Or coming out of the half, you start to see that that uh, those those things go away completely. So... Uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a completely different vibe, and it's crazy. You know, we're we're sitting here talking about this five games in. Now we could sit here and talk about this five games later and say, "What the f happened?" It's it, it, totally possible for sure. <laughs> but and that's going to be part of the ride with the young team, you know. Right, but but even if we do see those things, I you know the other the other nice change from from this year to last is that even if you do go through those the, that downswing. I still trust the ship to get righted. Whereas, you know, over the last couple of years, it was something would go wrong and it would just kind of uh, snowball into, you know, a three game losing streak that f- feels manageable, turns into an eight, a nine, a 10 game losing streak, or, you know, a, a one or two game winning streak that you feel like you can build on. Nope, that turns really quickly into a five game right. losing streak. So, uh, yeah, it's been the vibe surrounding this team, and we heard about it all all preseason. We heard about the vibe being different, but I didn't think it would be this drastic this quickly. And I, I think the way that that's really manifested itself has been how resilient they've been. You know, they've been down double digits in almost every game. I think possibly even every game, yep. um, and they've fought back and fought through it. And I feel like, you know, in the OKC game and in the Indiana game. They got put away by star players down the stretch making shots that you can't really do much about, you know. And I don't think they win the game against Atlanta if they don't go through those two games before that. You know, I, there's it, it, it's hard to get away from kind of the subconscious like it's OK to lose this game type of mentality. There's there's no shame in losing to Atlanta by four at their house. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But having gone through the previous two games where it was kind of right at their fingertips and they weren't able to close the deal. You know, even D'Angelo said after the game, we got, we got tired of losing these, you know? And so all of this is just, you know, like I said, I went from groaning about the first part of the schedule when it came out to now I'm like, Oh man, that was great experience. And if they can leverage that into the next five to 10 game stretch, you know, that's, it's actually going to be a benefit rather than the hindrance that I thought it would be. Yeah, absolutely. That's, those were the things that Harrison and I were mentioning, you know, while they lost those couple in a row, when they lost to Oklahoma city, when they lost to Utah and both of them were because of, you know, they just fell short to a more talented team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, down the stretch in, in that more talented teams, you know, building as that was going on and after the game and, 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 you know, we had, I had a couple of people in my mentions saying like, yeah, but eventually the moral victories don't mean much, but they, but they really do. And like you just said, those moral victories of, yeah, but we were right there. We just have to cut down on this mistake, on that mistake, on, you know, uh, taking advantage of this situation and that situation. And then you see it manifest itself in that Atlanta game. So yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, I hope, you know, I, I, I came into the show <laughs> trying to mitigate my, you know, my, my excitement and trying to kind of temper the expectations even as they evolve. Uh, but no, all, all I want to do right now is just fast forward to tomorrow. Even though they're playing 
they're playing Golden State, who just walloped Oklahoma City. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to that challenge. Whereas over the last couple of years, it was, oh God, the Lakers right. play. <laughs> it's like watching a train wreck, you know, see just how bad it would be. <laughs> You're kind of watching and, with like a hand it, over they, one eye. They still might lose by 40 tomorrow. Oh, yeah. You know, like that, that's still perfectly possible. But even in that scenario, I'm going to walk away from that game going like, okay, well, what did they learn from it? There's some value to be carried forward. And and one thing that's really different about the experience this year for the young players and what's different from even the guys like in Philadelphia or the teams that are really bad or tanking or whatnot is that the young guys are not just playing minutes, but they're playing minutes that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, those like you alluded to the down the stretch, oh, we made this mistake, we made that mistake. You know, when you're down, you know, 100 to 75 halfway through the fourth quarter and you're getting those last six minutes of run, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as being down four in Oklahoma City, you know, and and that's the real, yeah, I can't wait for every single game I'm chomping at the bit. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, I tweeted it out the other day, like, it's nice to wake up on a game day and say, hey, hey. The Lakers play. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's nice. It's a, that's a nice little uh, shot in the arm. All right. Well, Pete, this was this was a lot of fun, and we're we're going to continue leaning on you. Like you, at some point, you're going to get uh, sick of of our voices, but but we're going to continue to lean on you. Uh, I'm looking forward to the, the 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 Hawks breakdown because that was a lot of fun, especially to compare it. You did. I know. I know you didn't do, or you made a breakdown that you weren't thrilled with. But they're, they're, but that was only the one, right? You have breakdowns of all the other games? Yeah, I do. You know, the, the turnaround time on the back-to-back games mm-hmm. uh, is pretty quick. And so my, my goal is to get a breakdown out before the next game comes out because then, then the previous one becomes, you know, a little irrelevant. So um, I, I will probably go back and, and do the Indiana game, but this one's going to be just about the Hawks. I tried to do it where it was a combo type thing and then – it came started coming out like I was trying to tell two stories at the same time and was not sensical at all. So uh, I will be up to the wee hours of the morning uh, working on this Hawks game. Hopefully it'll be out uh, Friday morning. Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the stretch of this game compares to the stretch of the last few games. Yeah, So for sure. All right. Well, thank you very much, Pete, for for joining. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Uh, this does it for this week's of show. This week of shows, we will be back again on Monday, uh, unless unless you know either Harrison or I want to jump on you know Facebook Live or something after after one of the games over the weekend. Uh, but thanks everybody for listening again. Follow Pete at Laker Film Room and and check out all his game breakdowns. They're they're really really good. If you like the the stuff that he comes on and says here, you know, without a visual aid, it gets all the better. He does great work with those. So, uh, so thanks again, Pete, for hopping on, and we'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks, Anthony. Shouts to Antonio Harvey. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. Before you lies a beautiful meadow. In that meadow, Progressive Direct has placed its auto insurance rates alongside those of competitors. You select the lowest rate and feel a great sense of calm. A great sense of Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates so you can rest easy. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.